The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War. Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. Now your host, Steve Joll and the Art of War coaches. Welcome back, folks, to The Art of War. This is a podcast in which... The Art of War team endeavour to make you a better player of Warhammer 40,000. It is just all about you getting better at the game. So here's the deal. My name's Steve Joel. I'm your host, and I'm here with one of the best players to ever play Warhammer 40K. He's the pioneer of 40K coaching, Nick Nanavati. How are you, man? Great, Steve. Always fun to be back on this show. I know, and we like... It was your baby. It was it was born with you as proud papa. So uh, it's good to have you back, man. Tell Can you tell um, me, because I haven't heard yet, about your LVO experience? You didn't go as a player. You went, uh, you know, doing videography and doing comments and helping people out. How was it for you? Oh, I actually had, I would say this is probably one of the most fun LVOs I've been to, if not the most fun. It was so nice to see everybody, especially after coming out of the pandemic and all that. Not that we're totally out, but a lot of people, first real thousand person plus gathering for 40K. That was awesome. Um, and I, I, like you said, I wasn't able to play. I instead opted to work for Games Workshop doing videography for them, doing a little bit of videography for Art of War, uh, kind of just generally being an ambassador of the game, talking to people, answering questions, just hanging out, having a great time. And I love that kind of thing. I had... Some a lot of unique, amazing experiences with people I might not get to interact with if I'm only hanging out in the top 15, 20 tables. So I had a blast and uh, highly recommend the experience if anyone gets the chance. Yeah, it's, uh, I've said this before on this podcast. It's one of those kind of bucket list things for people in other parts of the world. Like the LVO is just such an iconic uh, event and you want to go as a player or you want to go just to watch or you want to go as part of what, however you get there. It's good to be there. Um also, what I want to ask you and what I want to give a shout out to the Out of War team for is, uh, look, post-LVO, we're now into a whole new situation. There's a new book, Warzone Knackmond is out. We've got new missions to look at, new ways to play. So a lot of the uh, stuff that we saw at LVO is going to be tinkered with and adjusted, and, and people are finding their feet, having lots of conversations with people in this part of the world who are who haven't had a chance even to play any missions. I've luckily played three or four out of the new book so far. And it's, I love it. I've got to say, I love it. I'm, I'm wondering what your first impressions are of the book and, and what you think of it going forward. Yeah, I actually have I've played a few of the missions now, probably four or five, uh, many of what you can find on our YouTube channel or in the worm if you're uh, one of our subscribers. Uh, I really enjoyed them. I think the granularity of the primary is really cool. Uh, scoring in increments of 4, 8, and 12 instead of 5, 10, 15 makes it a little bit more challenging to count and predict your scores. But then also when you factor in that mission-specific primary every time, that bonus point for doing actions or killing stuff or whatever it might be, they're all vastly different to each other. So it's hard to pick a, this is the formula to be good at the missions kind of style. At least none of us have found that yet. And then, which is refreshing. And then also... It, it creates a lot of back and forth because there's so many different ways to interact with your opponent's score. There's no more mission-specific secondaries that make some things really painfully easy like priority targets used to be. I, I just, I love the missions. I really do. Yeah, yeah, same. I think the big thing is it's not cut and paste anymore. It's not like we're playing the same game, but just on a different board, you know, every time. So having a, having a really genuinely different mission and different approach to each, each thing is going to be great. So uh, with that out of the way, uh, the point of that was a little bit, to do a shout out of, uh, to the Art of War YouTube channel and to the War Room and to all the discussion that is going on in the War Room and and you know what the coaching that is available you've got the the most amazing players available to coach you or if you're a 40k player and you're looking to get better whether you're like me and you're more mid tier or whether you're really good and you're just looking to get that extra one or two or three or five percent into your game you've got you know three or four of the top players in the world they're ready to help you out so. Can't recommend it enough. Go to the Art of War, look at the YouTube channel, see how the games are being played, sign up for whichever level of help you need. It's all there. Right, let's introduce this week's guest and this week's army. He went on a tear through the LVO, only falling by the barest of margins to the eventual winner. He was playing the Golden Boys. The Now, we're going to have to figure out whether it's Custodes or Custodies that we're going to be referring to for the whole podcast nick what's your vote for i'm gonna say custards you know we're like let's say the hard <laughs> r in there as well it really throws custards <laughs> okay uh, matt laura how are you sir i'm pretty good uh, i also have to make sure that i'm pronouncing your surname correctly because i'm a weird kiwi and i say things funny that's close enough 
<laughs> Great answer. All right. All right. Good enough. So, um, listen, Matt, congrats on the LVO run. You, I, I'm assuming, even though it was a bitter pill to swallow at the end, that you must be pretty happy with coming in second and going for a great rip all the way through to the final. Oh, there, there was no bitter pill to swallow at all. I didn't even think I was going to be there. So the fact that I got second place, uh, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. When you say you didn't think you were going to be there, what does that mean? You weren't planning to go? It was a last minute uh, thing? Oh, no. I uh, I was just hoping to go 5-1. Oh, I see. I went 9-1 and I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. that's quite the accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty good. So uh, for folks who are new to the podcast, this is the way we're going to do it. It works in two parts, this episode with Matt about the custards. We are going to, in part one, look at the list. Look at the list Matt took to LVO, but also we're really going to have a look at what changes he will make and how he thinks it's going to play in the new missions and looking forward in the way, if you're a custodies player, the way you could shape your list. This is a real list building Exercise. So we're going to have a look at all of the different layers and the, you know, the minutiae of how it all works and what the warlord traits are and how you get a, an army with like five models in it to really perform. Uh, the other part of this episode is going to be in part two, and this is for subscribers only. Part two is how the custodies army is playing into all of the other armies that are out there, the ones that are really. Uh, at the top at the moment, the Crusher Stampedes and the Talos Heavy Lists, although that might not be such a big issue going forward. But everything that, you know, is big in the meta at the moment, we'll look at Orcs, we'll look at all the other stuff, and we'll look at Space Marines and see how Matt will play or has played against those armies and how he thinks it'll all work in the new ninth edition Warzone Knackman looking forward. So that's how it works. If you're not a subscriber, you are going to miss out on part two, and we don't want that to happen. So please... Go to theartofwar40k.com and subscribe, or go find them on Facebook. All the information is there. So with all of that done, Matt, if it's okay with you, take us through your list, man. Uh, what have you got in there? And tell us a little bit about you know the wall of traits and the things that are there as part of it. Yeah, so um, I went against the grain. Uh, I ended up taking Shadow Keepers to the event instead of Emperor's Chosen, like almost everybody else. Um, yeah, can you can you explain that decision first up? Why was that? So, it went more of a philosophical reason. Um, Custodes, their whole goal is to fight for the midfield, hold objectives better than your opponent, outlast your opponent. And I personally think Shadow Keepers do that better than any other um, shield host. So, with the Shadow Keepers, you get your bonus to your um, minus one attack in combat for your opponent, and also you get your... Um, the uh, rerolls against characters, um, those help so much for those midfield fights on objectives, and they really just push it over the edge. Yeah, right. So it's all about leaning into what you see this army has been good at. Yeah, I definitely think that there's other ways to build custodes, but I think with the stylist I wanted to do, Shadow Keepers was an easy choice. Right. Let me jump in here really quick. I know we're, we haven't even gotten to the list yet, but a big point of contention between uh, your list and other Custodes lists that are successful is whether or not to go with Shadow Keepers or my mind is drawing a blank. What is the other one, Matt? Emperor's Chosen. Emperor's Chosen, thank you. Um, Emperor's Chosen gives you that defense against mortals, a couple of utility strats, all kinds of good stuff. What's your opinion on each take there? Um, I think the Emperor's Chosen stuff is cool, um, but it also kind of makes you want to take um, low number of shot models with um, good quality shots, like um, the missiles from the bikes and the Arachnus Blaze cannons on the vehicles. Um, and I actually think Custode bikes are a trap, and I've been advocating for this for a long time. Uh, I don't think they're actually that good, um, and no one seems to agree with me. <laughs> that is a hot take. <laughs> Um, I'm seeing all these nine bike lists running around, so we are, I'm dying to unpack that. Why don't we actually just go through the rest of your list, though? So, uh, I took a single battalion, as almost all Kasodi armies are going to be. Uh, I have Trajan Valoris, because he's uh, he's good. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he's ten points cheaper now, so don't know why that happened, but he's there. Uh, he has to be your warlord, so uh, I then have a shield captain on Dawn Eagle Jetbike. Um... I apparently gave him a Misericordia, which I did not use the entire event because I did not know he gave him a Misericordia. <laughs> um, 
Uh, I gave him a salvo launcher and tip of the spear. Uh, he also had the stasis obulet. Obulet. Uh, it is um, the relic that allows him to um, make a unit fight last. And with the style army that I wanted to do, having fight last in a midfield uh, combat army is just huge. Um, he also has Lock Warden, uh, which is a um, he allows him to ignore invulnerable saves against characters. Um, and he then has the Victor of the Blood Games, which allows him to take an extra Warlord trait for superior creation for that sweet five up feel no pain. Wow. He's just he's just mincing characters yeah. that he comes up against then, right? He's got so, so any many any, any <laughs> he's got so many things he can just pile stuff on top. Yeah, he um he hunts succubi. Uh like it's his job. <laughs> right. Um I also have um a shield captain in Alaris Terminator armor with um unstoppable destroyer. Oh, and the um the bike captain has tip of the spear, which I forgot to mention. Which uh, gives him the reroll ones on the charge or heroic. Okay. Um, but the Alaris captain has the um, unstoppable destroyer trait, which allows him to pile in an extra inch um, in any direction, so long as he ends within an inch of an enemy model, which is huge. Uh, and I pair that with the Praetorian plate and radiant mantle. And the, what do uh, they? What do they do, mate? The uh, Praetorian Plate is the uh, the relic that allows him to get plus one to his toughness value, which pulls him up to a, uh, a toughness value of six, which is a very good breaking point for a lot of weapons. It also allows him to do a uh, teleport in the opponent's uh, heroic intervention step um, on their turn. Anywhere on the battlefield within three inches of a friendly infantry model and within one inch of a enemy model. Um, it is a gigantic gigantic piece of flexibility and toolbox that i love having in my army yeah i've been caught out by that thing before i don't like it i don't like it one little bit <laughs> um also uh, a cool thing that i did not realize going into the event and uh i actually had a judge rule it during the finals that i could do this uh it says you can use the Praetorian plate during any time in the heroic intervention step they ruled it so I could heroic intervention with a custodian model and then Praetorian plate off of him. So I had Trajan intervene six inches, and then I had the Praetorian plate guy heroic intervene off of him. Uh, and I got a huge amount of uh, movement out of that. Wow. That's a lot yeah. of anti-combat shenanigans coming in your opponent's yeah. charge base. A lot of players don't even think about that as an opportunity to interact or mess with your opponent's plans because Thodes actually do that super well. <laughs> yes, they do. Um, and then my list is pretty simple from there. I have um, three units of three custodian guards with spear, uh, a unit of wardens with castle and axes, uh, three individual Alaris custodians with axes, uh, two contemptor galatus, one with eternal penitent, and then two Caladius Grav tanks with the uh, Iliastis accelerators. And that is the whole list. Yeah, you got you got to love the fact that there are so few models in a Custodes list. It's just, you know, it just yeah. makes it. Uh, I feel like uh, you don't want to be. It, it's easier. <clears throat> I love the elite lists. For me personally, I love the idea of not moving four hundred models around a table. It just holds a lot of appeal. The idea of Custodes and things like that. You've, you've come to uh, me 22. as a coaching client before, playing Horde Chaos Demons, and then you're a year later, you're like, Nick, I'm a Tyranid. <laughs> you mean you like these elite armies? Yeah, but guess what I don't do anymore? That was the learning phase, Nick. Now now I'm just playing Space Wolves. That's Glad it. to see them evolve. <laughs> so, uh, all right, let's go through this, because you've already, and you've already given us a really great rundown of, of the uh, Shield Captains uh, and your HQs and the way they work, and uh, talking about that heroic intervention that is just massive so the the overall way you approach the game is to get to the middle it sounds like and stay there and just dominate in combat and not die yeah um so the first units i target in my opponent's army is actually their obsec right. uh i immediately just try to mow down as much of their obsec as possible uh because once their obsec is dead i can pretty much just max my points and not have to worry about anything else. Then it's a matter of survival as opposed to anything yep. else. And you're yep. designed to survive by based on being shadow keepers and just so generically tough by playing custodies. Yeah. 
It's a hundred percent true. And that there's a lot of decisions in the list that revolve around this play style of moving to the center of the table, killing my opponent's obsec and holding the objectives is very keen on that. To talk to me about the uh, vehicles in the list and their place, particularly in the list going forward. You know, we've got some uh, some stuff out there now that is very, very good at popping tanks and popping dreadnoughts. Um, do you think that they stay in the list? Do you think that they still have a place? And are they, you know, good enough to hold their place? So I think they're actually key to the army for how I want it to play. Uh, I actually did look at how I would change my list uh, with the new chapter approved. Um, but the, as far as the uh, the Galaduses and the Caladiuses go, they are definitely staying in the list. Um, the Galadiuses are basically the anvil of the army. They move to the center field objective, they stand there, uh, and they partner up with the Custodian Guard, as the Custodian Guard have the OPSEC, and the Caladia, uh, the, uh, the Conemptor Dreadnoughts have the Toughness. Uh, and between the two of them, it's a uh, 170 points for a uh, Galadius and 135 points for a unit of Spear Guard. And that, like, 300 points will hold off so much of the opposing army for so long that it's really hard to get them out of an objective spot. Right. Uh, so you as almost as... play your army in packages, right? Like, three yes. Custodius Guard and a Dreadnought go walk over, and this is just my... That's going to go handle an objective for me. You set a couple of those out... And that's your flanks, is that correct, or is that the center? Um, so I just, it depends on the mission with the uh, uh, how the uh, deployment zones work. Uh, a lot of the times that is happening, but there are some matchups in certain missions, like uh, especially like the uh, the odd amount of objective missions where there's a center objective. I'll take the two Galadises and Trajan and the Wardens and kind of do like a death ball and run down the center. So it's all um, about playing the mission is what it sounds like. Pretty yes, much this, for this opponents, army obsec, is, scoring points. Yeah, all about the mission, all about killing obsec, all about scoring points. Um, the grav tanks are actually um, in there as utility. Uh, I mainly use them uh, because if the grav tanks were not in the army, I would have no way in my list to interact with my opponent's side of the board. Um Nothing right. in my army really shoots that far outside of 12 inches. I have some flamers, I have some bolters, that's about it. With the grav tanks, they allow me to put pressure on my opponent's backfield and make them respect my shooting phase. Because uh, if I did not have those, they could just set up out in the open and I couldn't punish them. Um, it makes it so if you have a backfield objective that's exposed... You have to put more than just a tactical squad on there, or an intercessor squad, or a five-man unit of uh, whatever, because the uh, the grav tanks will just pick them up. Uh, it forces so, my opponent to change their gameplay. So when you're when you're deploying, let's look at you know you've got your list there. One of the there's a couple of questions here, and we'll start with the deployment one first, I think. So okay. when you're deploying, uh, and I, I know it'll depend what you're coming up against, but let's. Let's assume you're facing a balanced army that's got some decent shooting in there and also a little bit of speed, because uh, a lot of armies can claim that now. So when you're deploying, uh, depending on the terrain, are you looking to hide certain units? Are there units you're keeping off the table? Can you? Uh, is there any capacity for you to deep strike in behind the lines? Yes. Are you able to bounce around that sort of thing? And, and when you're setting your army up, how much of it are you wanting out there ready to make that death ball roll to the middle? And how much of it are you looking to protect? So at, when I deploy the army, um, I always deep strike my individual Lars custodians. There's almost no situation I can think of where I would not deep strike them. Um, in fact, in every game of the ten games I played at the LVO, they always deep strike all three of them. Um, when I go to deploy, there's three units I'm trying to hide, and everyone else I'm just trying to do their best to hide if that makes sense. Like, I would like to have my army not get shot at turn one. But if <laughs> I had to pick three units to absolutely not be shot, it would be the Wardens and the two Grav Tanks. Uh, yeah. The Grav Tanks are the number one priority. The first, They're actually some of the first models I'll deploy. I'll put them down, make sure they're in the best spot possible out of line of sight. Um, the Wardens I try to keep protected because as long as they're protected, my characters are not being attacked. So... so so let's look at the the Alaris Terminators and and moving forward. You know, if you're looking now going going ahead at the secondaries that are available to you and the way that the game is being played, and uh, 
you know, having three individual terminators, they won't count for things like engage, um, but they will be great at some of the other secondary options. Uh, do they stay in the list as is three individual terminator dudes? Because having, I guess they can just bounce into pretty much, you have to really, really screen out to stop them coming in, right? Yeah, so I actually really, really like them. Um, they're definitely not as strong in 2022. Um I am definitely decreasing the amount of them I'm taking. Uh, instead of running three, it's going to be one to two of them. I really like the utility they bring. I actually, um, I don't think I took engage the entire event. I maybe have taken it one one game. So I was never really using them for engage. What is their uh, role? When I look at the solo Lars terminators, I think these guys go get engage. They could help you raise banners. They're great at for ret- retrieving Arterius data, not so much the new Nachman data version. Um, but now that Engage is apparently not even something you're really taking, they're not so good at rods anymore. Well, what is the purpose of this unit? So I did take them for uh, rod as um, open up a chance to take a secondary. If I didn't feel like I had other good secondaries to take, I could always fall back on the rod. I wasn't trying to always take rod, but it was a good fallback. Um, the Alaris are 65, now 60 point models that have... A two-up save, a four-up vulnerable save with four wounds. They're obsec. They count as two models, um, and they're really good in combat. And they have pretty good shooting between their um, their axe and their grenade launcher. Um, a lot of people take a unit of five sisters, uh, sisters of silence, which are uh, sixty points to hold the backfield objective or to do an action or something like that. The Alaris Terminators the same amount of points as these sisters of silence units and can f- perform almost every single thing they can do. Um, and they're better at surviving, and they're better in combat, and they're better at shooting. Um, I prefer the Alaris a lot. Um, there was many games where I just used them to harass my opponent's backfield. Like, uh, against like Thick City, where they have like five racks hanging out on their backfield objective, you deep strike in two Alaris Terminators back there, all of a sudden, that's no longer safe. That objective is being taken. Um, I would use them to fill gaps in my lines, uh, where points where if my opponent has a lot of like um, deep striking units, I could screen out with my Alaris Terminators. Because um, if you just put one Alaris Terminator out in the open, that uh, puts like an 18-inch bubble of no deep strike there. Uh, and it was only a 60-point investment on my end. Uh, they're just super, super useful. There would be situations where turn one, I lost the unit of Custodian Spearguard, now I don't have a unit on that flank. Boom, turn two, I deep strike in on the Lars Terminator over there. Problem solved, it's fixed. Stuff like that. They they really did honestly pull their weight every single game. Uh, there was one game where all three of them deep striked in and helped uh, clear out a greater demon. Um, because of the full rerolls from Shadow Keepers, they put a bunch of shooting into it and did, uh, I think, six wounds into it or something like that. They They just have a ton of utility. And you can't really kill them in combat without a actual combat unit because of the shadow keepers. Like a unit of racks isn't killing one of them. Wow. Yeah, so and I'm... so you're saying you you keep them now moving forward and looking at the new missions and the new way to play. You're you're going to still have three individual Alaris Terminators in your no. list. No, in the the new <laughs> versions of my list, I'm reducing the number. I don't know what that number is exactly, but I am definitely going down. Um, I'm either dropping one and taking an Inquisitor, or I'm dropping two and taking a third Dreadnought. I'm not 100% sure on how I would change my list yet, but that's what I'm looking at for now. Would you consider just running a three-man so it could still no. perform? No, 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 All right, then. <laughs> <laughs> no. Why is that? Uh, the, <laughs> whole pretty point, the whole point of these guys is that they're individual operatives, and they can fix things by themselves. Um, I... If, as soon as you take a unit of three of them, that is a 180-something point or 190-point unit that now you have to actually get value out of them. Where if there's a problem that I need fixed in, uh, on the board, I can throw a 60-point Terminator at it and be like, cool, that problem's fixed. Um, also, um, something that came up huge in two of my matchups, Nick, you only get one charge roll with a unit of three Alaris Terminators. You get three charge rolls with three units of one Alaris Terminators. That's true. So if you're deep striking, you can. It, it's three chances to hit one YOLO nine instead of one. Mm-hmm. It was that actually came up huge in a couple of my games, and a lot of the times 
you really only need one of these Alaris to get in onto objective. Like, if they have like a tank holding an objective with that obsec, you charge that Alaris in, boom, that's now yours. Obsec two models. You have a five man unit of like Cablite warriors holding an objective. One Alaris gets in, he's probably going to kill several of them. Boom, that's now his objective, or it's at least contested. So, just having the more charge rolls, even if I was putting them all three in the same spot for deep strike, I would still prefer them to be individuals. Can I ask? We mentioned objective. Uh, sorry, secondaries briefly. What secondaries did you take, and then what secondaries uh, do you like the look of in the new book? Has anything changed for you? Um, not a lot has actually changed. Um, as custodians, you tank stranglehold. Maybe not embers chosen, um, but as the shadowkeeper obsec list, you take stranglehold. You're, you're going to go to the center of the table. You're going to hold the center objectives. You're going to have more than your opponent. I'd probably say 90% of the time. Um, I think Stranglehold, I I was getting 12, 15 points every single game off Stranglehold. Um, and as Shadowkeepers, I actually took Assassinate a lot. Um, what do Shadowkeepers do for Assassinate? Assassinate's a very aggressive pick, and your army doesn't seem to be wanting to kill people. It wants to just be standing on objectives. I get full rerolls to wound against characters, and I have a basically bike assassin. That ignores invulnerable saves against characters. Um, and there is, I think, four games out of my ten where I maxed Assassinate. And wow. another amazing. three where I got ten points off of Assassinate. Um, a lot of armies nowadays are aggressively using their characters. Um, and Assassinate as Shadowkeepers, you're already trying to kill their characters. Why not get points out of it? Yeah, it feels like something you can be great at late game as well with his speed and the fact that, you know, by then the army, your opponent's army's whittled down a lot and the characters that they've been protecting are more likely to be out in the open. So turns sort of three, yes. four, five, and you go and you get them. Yeah, um, a lot of the uh, Drukhari list, uh, I think I took assassinated against every Drukhari list because they would have an Archon, a Succubus, a Homunculi, and Drazar right there. That's 13 points. And yeah. Every single game, I think I killed all four of them. Yeah, I'm carefully planning maybe dropping a character now. When I go <laughs> um, what about your third secondary choice? Uh, so that's the one where uh, it was very uh, mission dependent um, and matchup dependent. The um, a, lo a lot of the time I did end up taking Rod because I was trying to play safe. Um, there was a couple of times where I could have just taken Banners instead. Uh, I think um, I think I took banners once or twice, and I took rod six or seven times or something like that. Um, I could have definitely taken more banners instead of rods. That's why I'm not too worried about the uh, the change to um, rod to um, R and D because uh, I can just fall back on banners a lot of the missions. Are there any others that you like the look of? I feel like. Uh, you'd be good at the new... Oh, now I can't remember what it's called. The one you have to be within 12 inches. Deploy teleport hovers. Uh, that's it. Um, uh, so, that's another one I am actually looking at. Uh, and it is definitely another option and another reason why I'm thinking about keeping my uh, Alaris Terminators. Yes. You're yeah. really good for that. Deep strike in, just do an action, mm -hmm. done two points. Or four if you're in the deployment zone. Yeah, I, I really like the idea of doing that. So that's why I'm still uh, very set on keeping the Alaris. Um, but also, uh, one of the changes that I said to my list was thinking about dropping a single Alaris for an Inquisitor, which opens up the new amazing secondary of uh, mental interrogation. Yeah, psychic interrogation yeah. is uh, is very strong nowadays. So that, yeah. that random Inquisitor in, in thrown into a Custodes armies or Admech armies or whatever, I think is going to get a lot more value. Yep. And if uh, you and your opponent both have an Inquisitor, you can just sit there and interrogate each other all game. <laughs> and why not? So uh, we've heard about your secondaries. We've heard about the way you deploy and the way you like to kind of play the game as a big, uh, you know, depending on the mission, either a big death ball into the middle or going out in waves to get objectives and daring the opponent to, you know, kill you off. But specifically looking ahead at the at the new way you're going to be playing, what now changes in your list other than the Alaris Terminators maybe losing one of those? Uh, what are you looking at dropping? What do you think are, are the changes you'll be making in your Custodes list? Uh, not a single thing. Wow. Well, you got second at LVO. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, a yeah. point. 
I, I, I thoroughly love the list. Um, I would confidently play this list into pretty much any army and feel like I have a good chance of winning. Well, I think it's time we ask the, the elephant in the room question here, Matt. We alluded to it at the very beginning of the podcast, but I want to get into it. What is your hatred towards the bikes that every single player that plays Custodes is all hype about? Okay, okay. So, Should I get my pen and paper out? Should I sit down and get some popcorn? <laughs> um, I've explained this to so many people, and they either, at the end of it, will be like, huh, I think you have a point. Or they'll go, huh, I think you have a point, but I'm going to keep doing it anyway. Uh, so, and this is purely as Shadow Keepers. I will say, as Emperor's Chosen, yeah, the bikes are pretty cool. Um, but specifically Shadow Keepers, most of my games, I was not the one charging my opponent. I am moving to the center field, I'm holding those objectives, and I'm standing there on those objectives. Bikes don't do that. Bikes are trying to move around, they're trying to shoot, they're trying to charge the enemy. They're not, they're not a unit that fights for a center field objective. They don't have obsec, they're super expensive, and you have to get value out of them by killing the opponent to actually get value out of them. Whereas my army, um, I can take a Dreadnought and a couple Spear Dudes, walk to the midfield objective, stand on the midfield objective, and if they don't kill a single thing the entire game, I'm happy with that. Um, the fact that the bikes don't have obsec, they're a huge target, and you're incentivized to go out and get value out of them, I just think they're a trap, especially for Shadowkeeper armies. The way that I'm trying to play my list, they don't fit in there at all. They don't hold objectives well. They don't receive charges well. They're not obsec, so if they're sitting on an objective and someone charges me with a unit of 10 racks, that's their objective now, and I can't do anything about it. They're also not infantry, which means my Praetorian plate can't teleport to them. Like, nothing about the bikes fits into my army. Um... And I think if you're also playing a midfield, scrappy, objective-focused uh, Kasoda army, I don't think the bikes are the way to go. I think there is a bike list where you take nine bikes and you play Emperor's Chosen and you run around trying to kill the opponent. And I think there's an objective-focused Kasoda army that tries to win that way. I don't think you mix the two, if that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely. It's almost like you're going all in on the plan of I'm just going to sit on my objectives and be defensive and be tough and all that. And the bikes, they have a move characteristic of 14. They advance and shoot. They can do all kinds of stuff that encourage you to go aggressive and go do things with your bikes, not just put your army into park and, and exist. So from that perspective, I definitely get where you're coming from. It's just hard to deny the, the raw stat power of a bike for 90 points or whatever it is. I went into Custodes twice uh, out of my 10 games, uh, and both of them had a bunch of bikes. One had 10, and the other one had 7, and by the end of turn 3, they were all dead. <laughs> Apparently, you're the Custodes master out here. <laughs> uh, I just I don't like them. Uh, if I lose a unit of Spear Dudes, I'm 135 points down. I'm a little sad, but life goes on. I keep going. If I lose a Dreadnought, it's 170 points. I keep moving. I'm holding the objective. I'm still there. If you lose a bike squad at 270 points or however many points they are, that's a lot of your army. And losing them is just such a big deal. And a lot of the times, people are going so aggressive with them that they're all going to die. And I had like someone take their bikes and charge into me as shadow keepers and like cool you're minus one to all your attacks i'm going to transhuman i live i hit you back i kill a couple of your bikes i'm obsec i'm still standing here this objective's mine you did nothing and it's a blunt way of putting it but like they just didn't do anything in the games so and i'm i'm want to ask nick this as a you know as a person that's been playing for a long time and as a list designer and as a coach so Matt, and, and right from the beginning, Matt's been saying he picked the Shadow Keepers and is leaning hard into the way they play, and that's why the bikes aren't there. They're great in different lists, really leaning into that. And just as a philosophy, I've heard you talk about this before. So how do you feel about that, just going so hard and that you're not even having a little bit of that sort of 
go fast, get stuff in the list. Well, it's I, generally speaking, I think you want to have a toolbox type army. So if Matt was not taking anything in quick, I'd be like, yeah, you need something quick. You need something that moves faster than six inches. Maybe the fly keyword is kind of interesting. But um, he's got the two Caladius, and he's got that shield captain on the bike. So it's not like he's foregoing and the Alaris tool. What'd you say, Matt? And the Alaris. And the Alaris striking. striking in. Absolutely. So um, the bikes, yeah, they're, they're fast. They give you that tool, no questions asked. But they're almost, that's their job. That's the only thing they can do. Whereas like the Caladius shoot, and they are also fast. Where the bike captain is a really tough character and is also fast. And the Alaris deep strike. So it's not, speed is almost like a, a tool Matt is bringing in this army, which I love as opposed to a mainstay thing this army has to use, which a nine-bike list might be forced into playing that way. I'm really interested, Matt, in the in the Dreadnoughts as well. When most people are looking at the big guns that are available now to other armies and they're putting Dreadnoughts back on the shelf, uh, you've got two, and you're looking at potentially maybe ditching stuff and getting a third one in. So uh, how useful, important are they, and ha- what do they have? What do you have in Custodes Dreads that means they are able to just stay alive? So Shadow Keepers and Galadus Dreads go together like peanut butter and jelly. Um, so a Galadus Dreadnought is minus one to be hit in combat. It has minus one damage. And it has a six up fill of pain and a two up four up. You partner that with Shadow Keepers. All of a sudden, you're also getting minus one attack in combat against it. And the Dreadnought's getting full rerolls to wounds against characters, which has come up time and time again. Like, uh... I have had Drazars constantly run into me, and they're like, okay, I have six attacks, and I fight twice, so 12 attacks. I'm like, it's actually 10 attacks, because of Shadow Keepers. And they'll fail to kill the Dreadnought in combat, and then the Galadus with full rerolls will just kill Drazar. Um, the Galadus Dreadnoughts uh, have more attacks than the Achilles Dreadnought. They're also much more survivable than the Achilles Dreadnought. Um, there's... Not that much that really just instant kills a, a Galadus Dreadnought. Like, um, I know the people are saying, like, the railguns and stuff, but obscuring exists. I can hopefully uh, play a good positioning game and keep my Galadus Dreadnoughts alive for good enough. Um, and also, even if they does get hit with a railgun, it's not guaranteed that he's going to die. He has the six-up feel of pain. Right. So... I just, I really like the Galadus Dreadnoughts. I think at 170 points, they're steals. I really do. <laughs> yeah. Well, compared to 185 for a loaded out Redemptor with no involvement, yeah, I think it's pretty good. Yeah. One thing I find interesting, Matt, is your whole army and design philosophy is like, I am tough. I'm OPSEC and I'm tough. I'm going to kill your troops and then I'm going to be tough on these objectives. But you're not as tough as you could be. Like your shield guard uh, or your, your custodian's troops, rather, are not shield guard. They don't have storm shields, they have the spears. What's that choice about? Um, so that was 45 points I was unwilling to spend, basically, uh, cause it's five points for the shield, uh, and I had nine dudes, so 45 points, uh, which means I lose a, a large terminator. Um, but also I just don't think the shields are worth it over the spears, uh, cause it gives you plus one to your save and that's it. It doesn't affect your invulnerable save. It doesn't affect your anything else really. It unlocks a strat for minus one to be hit, which is kind of cool. But as Shadow Keepers, I'm already minus one attack. Um, and quite honestly, like most of the time, I was getting hit with weapons that were either putting me to my invulnerable save or had no AP. There was not a whole lot of situations where I think the shields would have even came up. And also, um, the sword is weaker than the spear. Uh, I believe it's one less strength and the range of the gun is half. Um, it just didn't feel worth it to me to basically increase the points of my models by five points to make them worse in combat when that's all they're going to be doing is sitting in the center of the table being in combat. If if you don't take Shadow Keepers, if, if other Custodes players are listening and you're not taking Shadow Keepers, does that make the shields more interesting for you? Um, possibly. Uh, I'm not quite sure, honestly, because I'm, I'm never not playing Shadow Keepers. Right, <laughs> you're the wrong guy to ask. <laughs> Man, uh, knows what he's about. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. know what I'm here for. I, you ever seen the movie Three Hundred? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm here for, and that was also a good way of uh, imagining my philosophy of playing this army. Like, I move to the center of the table, and you're not getting past me. That's 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 what we're doing here. 
Like, <laughs> I'm going to hold this objective, we're going to stay here, and I'm going to fight in the shade. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Let's, we, we should talk about the strats. Uh, how many CP does your army start with, and then what are you spending them on during the game? So I start with eight, and I have the CP farm off of Trajan. Um, I am pretty much only using these defensively. Um, I, like I said earlier, I wasn't really doing a whole lot of charging. Uh, there was some times where, of course, I would have to charge the enemy, but a lot of the times I was being engaged upon. So I really didn't have to save a whole lot of CP for like rerolling charges or stuff like that. Um, I don't really have any guns that I care about rerolling in the shooting phase. Uh, I had a missile that sometimes I rerolled with my bike captain just to get some damage in, but I think I spent one or two CP the entire tournament on his missile. Um, I don't have to really reroll advances because of the kata I took on turn one most of the time. Uh, so I really didn't use any of my CP for anything other than defensive stratagems the entire event. Um, there, and I always try to keep uh, one CP for the uh, heroic intervention. That was very key to how I played my list. Do you find you're interrupting very often in the combat phase? Not as much as you would think, because most of the time people can't kill me in combat. Like, no, so you just you just save your CP. I'm not going to bother yeah. interrupting. Just uh, just bring I, whatever I, you got, and then I'll go in and wipe you out. I was playing against orcs, and he like charged me with like a bunch of orcs. He's like, "You interrupting?" I just kind of like looked at the table, and I was just like, "Nah, go ahead." <laughs> he hit me a bunch, and I took some wounds on my custodies, but none of my models died, and then I hit them back. Like, yeah. Custodies have the problem where they have these amazing strats that cost one command point, which sounds great. It is great. But the, well, strat can only be used at one place at one time, and you're presenting yeah. pretty much your whole army as tar targets of opportunity on any given turn. So do you ever have issues where your opponent would target some custodies guard or target a dreadnought, and then you use a strat like no rerolls, and then they would just start shooting something else? Uh, so that's actually where my bike captain came in a little bit. Um, the fight last uh, made it so I knew one of the combats I wouldn't have to use any defensive stratagems on. Nice. Uh, so it's a weird way of thinking, but he kind of like saves me CP with the fight last. Because if you're fighting last, I don't have to use defensive stratagems because I'll be able to hit you. Right. Did you find that was more of an offensive tool or a defensive tool? Defensive. 100% defensive. And that's because he had the awesome heroics and all that? Yeah. He has the... One CP heroic six inches. His base is pretty big with that long oval. Uh, he's got that fight last there. He's also got tip of the spear. So there's a lot of the times where he would be just chilling in the center of my army. And it made charging for my opponent extremely awkward. Yeah. It, and look, just the, just looking at the way your army works, and again, tell me if I'm wrong here, but... It just feels like one of those things where if I'm playing against you, because you're so hard to kill, I kind of have to overcommit resources. Yes. You know, just to try and kill off one thing. And then when they don't do it, then I'm wide open getting wiped out in the middle. And before you know it, I just don't have enough stuff left to do any damage to what, what you have left on the table. And it's just too hard from there. It's too hard to come back. Yeah, there's there's a lot of times where my opponents would be like, cool, I have this really cool combat unit. I'm going to charge that unit. Uh, I should be able to kill you one for one. And they would roll the dice and realize, oh, no, the, I, I just don't kill you here. Uh, like, I had a, a Bloodthirster charge a, a Galdus Dreadnought, and I think it did three wounds. And then wow. the Galdus Dreadnought proceeded to beat it down. Bloodthirst is uh, really showing their age right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was also situations where, like, Bellicor was fighting Trajan and just couldn't kill him. Um, there was Drazar not being able to kill a, a wounded Contemptor Dreadnought. Talos not being able to kill three spear dudes. Like, I'm just so tanky. Uh, I, I fought three thick city lists, and each one had, like, six Talos. And I would say out of all the games combined, they killed maybe, like, six Custodians. Maybe seven. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, I feel like we're right on the verge of actually getting specific into matchups. Uh, we've covered the list really well. Nick, do you have anything else you want to um, ask Matt before we switch to part two? I, I actually do. I have a couple questions, Matt, real quick to kind of end this off on. So it sounds like you probably rightfully so guessed the meta to be uh, combat-oriented. All of your yes. tactics and your list design have been designed around, if I get charged in the middle, I got all these defensive strats, I'll hold the objectives, it'll be fine. I got these horrible interventions to, to use my combat tactics in the micro minutia phase of close combat to win those fights. 
What happens if someone just sat back and blew you up from across the table, like Tau or Admech or something like that? Well, then they lose on the primary. I uh, I played Tau in round two, and uh, I got a max 45 primary, and he got 20. Is that one of the scenarios where like it's totally okay if you lose your whole army because you end up winning yeah. the scoreboard? Yeah, I, I have no care if I lose my entire army at the end of the game. If I scored 100 and you score 30. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. Okay. And is is that sorry, Nick? Is that um, for you and Matt? Is that something that's going to be even more prevalent going forward with all the new missions? Well, not all, but most of the new missions having the objectives kind of outside of deployment zones and no man's land. People are going to have to, like even Tau, are going to have to find a way to get out there and get those things. Um, I would say so. Yeah, I think I think in my limited experience with the new missions, being able to, for lack of a better term, box with your opponent, fight in that middle, and really. Vive for board control is going to be critical. Gone are the days of deploying in the corner and hiding all game, Steve. What was me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it feels like custodies are in, in a really great spot to be able to do that. As you say, get into the ring, get into the center, and just box and, and survive. Yeah, I'm all down for uh, brawling in the center. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just waiting until uh, someone can out-obsec me, but uh, it's pretty rough to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Matt, I had one more for you before we move on to part two, which I'm eager to do, getting into all these beautiful matchups. You are playing Custodes, super low model count army, and yep. at the end of the day, you gotta roll those saves, and if they just, if you roll bad, you lose more than you should, it hurts, it hurts you more than most storms. You feel critical charges, huge, huge chunks of your army are feeling critical charges. So, did you ever feel like you were not in control with from the, of the dice perspective? Did you ever feel like you were at the mercy of rolling well or rolling poorly? How do you mitigate that as a top player? Um, so, there was two situations out of the entire event where I definitely spiked really low in rolls, and it cost me a great deal in models. Um, but it's all about planning contingency plans. Um, every time I do an action... Well, not like an action in the game as far as like rod, but like uh, doing something in the game. Um, I always think, what happens if this just doesn't work? Like, what if this just goes the complete opposite way? Is there anything I can do about that? And sometimes the answer is no, I just can't do anything about that. And you just have to live with that choice. And sometimes you go, well, if this fails to kill that, I can have this back up in position here so it can help in case that goes wrong instead of trying to spread out and kill a bunch of things, I can just make sure this one thing goes away. Or, if my three spear dudes die here, I still have my Caladius tank just touching the objective, or something like that. Yeah, I think a common thread we have from all the wonderful players we've interviewed over the years here, is that there's always contingency plans, backups for backups, you don't blame dice. Yep. These are commonalities between all you top-level players we interview, so it's good to see yeah. even with an army as elitist custodies, as potentially vulnerable to the dice as custodies, you're still executing that kind of tactical depth. Yeah, you, you can't really blame the dice, but they can definitely make it harder. That, that's how I like to say it. Like uh, <laughs> against Siegs, against uh, Siegs in the finals, I uh, I had to take uh, I think it was ten or eleven five up Philo pains on my uh, bike captain. He has nine wounds. I just got to pass like two or three to live out of like ten or eleven, and they failed almost all of them and died. I'm like, oh, that yeah. shouldn't have happened, but. All right. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. I feel like, uh, Nick, that was what people in politics call a patsy question, where you get a guy to answer the question and say exactly what you've been saying for years. <laughs> this is That was exactly the answer you wanted to hear. Um, all right. Hey, Matt, thank you so much for being with us for part one of this episode. Really appreciate your time, man. Uh, I know that you've been invited on a few podcasts and uh, you've been in demand since your great run at LVO. So thank you for taking the time to hang out with us for a little bit. Uh, is there anywhere people can find you? Like, is there, uh, are you involved in any content creation or if people play custodies and they have questions for you and they're not subscribers, so they're not going to be here necessarily for part two. Although, sorry, before we do that, Nick, you had news on that, didn't you? So for people who are not subscribers but want to get part two, Absolutely. We are now offering that through our YouTube channel. Those of you who are uh, not comfortable or don't feel like going to our website, you don't have to. You can go to YouTube, check out all our wonderful YouTube content, and along there, become a member of our channel. You'll get access to part twos of all three of our podcasts, This Art of War, uh, Art of War Unbroken, and Art of War Down Under. And of course, you can there sign up for the warm as well and get access to all our wonderful coaching matches, stream clinics, and strategy sessions, which, Steve, you've been partaking in. 
I have, yeah, man. And I've, I've just, as I said right at the top of this, can't speak highly enough about it. It's helped me out so much. So uh, that said, Matt, do you have anything going on uh, for you that if people want to get hold of you, ask questions or view content or anything like that? Um, so I'm mainly just on Facebook. Um, I'm in a custodies group on Facebook where I've been ask, answering tons and tons of questions. They've been bombarding me ever since the day of the event. Uh, yeah. So that's been a lot of fun to go back and forth with the group there. Um, there's been a lot of memes actually made of uh, me. It's been kind of funny. Like uh, there's a guy that made a picture of the emperor and it was uh, my pro uh, Facebook profile over the thing. And it says shadow keepers <laughs> are the thing to do now. Uh, it was pretty funny, but uh, yeah, so I'm mainly there. Um, I'm also hanging out in a couple discords. I, I like to lurk in discords and help out. Uh, I'm going to be helping out in the Vanguard tactics discord. Uh, I had um, Steve uh, Stephen Box actually ask if I wanted to help out in the Discord and help answer questions and stuff. I thought it'd be fun to do uh, stuff like that. I'm in a lot of like uh, the Tabletop Simulator Discords, hanging out. I don't play a whole lot on there anymore, but I still hang out on all the Discords and see if I can answer questions here and there. Right. Well, but, listen, uh, you guys uh, can also feel free to just add me on Facebook and shoot me private messages, and I'll get to them when I can. But. <laughs> But if you've got a custodies question, expect to wait because a lot yeah. of people <laughs> questions. All right. Well, a Matt, Taylor Swift question. I can answer it pretty fast, though. <laughs> Great. Thanks so much for doing this for us. Uh, we're going to see you in part two. And uh, Nick, thank you for stepping in for Mr. Lennon as well. Appreciate that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm assuming he's crash painting another army because he's switching away from custodies. That's in two weeks. We'll make a whole series about it on YouTube. He's going to paint an elder army in three days. But right now he's earned a much needed vacation seeing his family. Fair enough. Fair enough too. Uh, folks, thank you for being here as well uh, for part one of this episode. Tune into part two if you haven't yet go and as nick said check out the youtube channel go to the art of war 40k.com find them on facebook there are so many resources available for you uh thank you for doing this we will see you in part two real soon this is the art of war like what you just listened to check out art of war down under and art of war unbroken on the competitive 40k network the art of war 40k.com <laughs>